are first class functions. By the end of this video, you will know what they are. You'll know some of the required features that we need for functional programming and why they are important for functional programming. My name is Eric Normand and I help people thrive with functional programming. So first class functions are important because they're a basic requirement for writing higher level abstractions in, with functions. Uh, you could do it with classes, and, uh, but that's, that's a different paradigm. Uh, so without them, we wouldn't have tools like map, filter, and reduce, and we wouldn't be able to compose functions up into new functions. This is something that is one of the main benefits of functional programming. Um, not the primary benefit, but I guess you could call it the, the main secondary benefit. Okay, so let's, let's go over a few points about first-class functions. Um, so what does it mean? A first-class function, first-class anything, means that uh, the function can be, if it's first-class, it means it can be treated like a value. So anything you can do to a, a value such as a number or um, you know an array or a vector, a list, a string, any of those values, uh, what can you do with them? Well, you can pass them to functions, you can store them in variables, you can return them from functions. All of those things make it first class. It means it has the same status you know, think about like second-class citizen. They don't have the same status as the first-class citizens. That's the idea here, that a first-class function has the same status as other values. Functions are just values. And so we can do all those things. We can put them in a variable. We can pass them as arguments to, func to other functions. We can return them from other functions. And this makes it so that we can manipulate functions just like you would manipulate numbers or strings and things like that. So this means you can start doing what is often called metaprogramming. You're programming your programs, right? Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, so you want your first class functions to also be what are called closures. That's closure with an S. And what this means is that the function can refer to variables in the scope where the function was defined. So you have some variable, let's just call it x, and then uh, in that scope where x is defined, you know, like the next line, you define a function. You can refer to x in the body of the function, and even if you return that function, from that, from wherever that scope is, it, it, that function somehow gets out of the scope. When you call that function, it's still referring to the same x that you had before. That's what it means. And we do this in JavaScript. We probably don't even think about it. But when you define a function inside of another function, it has access to the arguments, to the, to the uh, local variables that are defined there in JavaScript. Uh, but, for instance, 
just as an example, Java for the longest time did not have closures. You could define a um, like an anonymous class that had a method, but th that method couldn't refer to variables in the scope where that class was defined. Um, now it has lambdas, those are closures, and so everything's all right. Um, uh, but without them, it makes it very difficult. You, you actually have to uh, make a lot of leaps and do a lot of gymnastics to get the same functionality. You basically have to build an object. This is in Java. You'd have to build an object and, and assign all of the variables you might need later, all the values you might need later into that object. Um, so it's just a lot of ceremony for what should be just syntactically very easy. Okay, um, another thing is when you have first-class functions, we were talking about metaprogramming, one thing you'll want to do is to, to separate out concerns so that you can reuse part of you know, the concern in another place. Um, one thing I find in languages that don't allow such abstraction or where it's not very common, at least, is you're writing a lot of low-level code. Um, people call it boilerplate. So you're writing like four loops all the time, or you're where you're just kind of repeating yourself over and over. And how can you possibly turn that into a first-class operation, right? So, you know, in Java, let's just give an example in Java. Um, you can make a for loop first class. And the way in Java you make things first class is you turn them into a class, right? You make a class and now you can instantiate it. And now you have an object. It's a value just like other objects, right? You can pass it around. It can be an argument to a function, etc. And so you make an object called for loop. Uh, a class called for the public class for loop and it takes uh, you know uh, some kind of operation to do at each step and then when to end and and so you can make that and then it's first class so you can pass it to something else and you can kind of reuse the functionality the problem is in Java the reusing the functionality usually uses more lines of code than just doing it with a for loop the first time, right? Um, whereas if you have something like in JavaScript, you, you can take the for loop and you realize, okay, a lot of times the for loop is just creating a new array from this existing array. So why don't we use map? And we make a function called map that is this one use for a for loop and we just have to pass it a function and the functions are pretty easy to define and so now we've eliminated a whole bunch of moving parts uh, or they're, they're taken care of automatically by map right we don't have to initialize the, the index variable we don't have to increment it we don't have to remember how to end the the loop all of that's taken care of for us and all we get is the values 
and we tell it what to how to transform the value we don't even have to initialize the array or anything the, the thing that's returned so all of that stuff is handled for us and this is what i mean by being able to have higher level abstractions um, is it, this the ability to pass functionality which is what a function is it's basically a way of of encapsulating code uh, some kind of procedure or some calculation into into a, a little package and that you can pass that package around and so now you can say this is what I want you to do to my array for instance so that that gives us map filter and reduce so without without higher-order functions we couldn't have them right um, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's it's functionality that is repeated. It's boilerplate. We get to get rid of it. Uh, another thing is something like what are called combinators. Combinators, there's a technical term, but a technical definition for it. But I just want to, I think it's mostly used as a function that will take one or more functions and transform them into a new function okay um, there is a technical term in lambda calculus a technical usage for it but I think in practice in the industry that's what people use combinators for so what would this be like so um, a good example is a memoize function so this will this is a function that memoizes another function you pass it a function you pass the there's a function called memoize you pass it a function and it will memoize it meaning it will cache the results so that you don't have to call the function twice for the same results okay and it just has like a little object in there that stores the the cache and it checks in the cache before it calls the function and and it just does that by wrapping this function in another function right so that's uh it's it's actually pretty simple to write um, right there's another combinator that you might have where let's say you're making you have a function that makes a web request and that web request could fail right um, so what do you do you make another function that takes a function and it will call it three times it, it, well it returns a new function that calls it three times so this will just automatically retry if there's a failure and then of course the third time if it fails then it will fail f for real so this is a, a way of like capturing these um, these concerns and separating them out from the specifics of the functionality you're able to say try three times is separate from what you're trying three times and now you can there's a way to combine them back together um, the last thing I want to talk about is, is you can do what I'm going to call basic functional programming without first class functions. And what I mean by that is there is a lot of value in simply thinking about the difference between actions, calculations, and data. Actions are things that are have an effect on the world or it matters how many times you call them or when you call them calculations are 
timeless relationships between inputs and outputs. They're just computations. And then data is like inert stuff with structure and meaning that, that you can uh, apply to it. And just that, I believe, will give you a lot of value. Just knowing that I have to be careful when I call this, but I can call this as many times as I want, right? That, that will tremendously improve your software. But there's another level, which is to be able to get these uh, benefits of using higher order programming. And that's not just using map filter and reduce, but building your own, realizing that there's, there's a lot of um, law benefit to reusing this one piece of functionality, right? That's when you pull things apart, you can see how they work a little bit better and function, higher order functions let you pull things apart. You don't have to write them all together in, you know, continuous code. You can call, you can put stuff into a function and pass it to something else. Okay, so let's recap. Uh, first class functions are functions that we can treat like values, just like strings or numbers. Uh, they need to be closures, meaning with closures with an S, meaning they can refer to variables in the scope that they're defined in. Uh, we, that, these are what let us do map filter and reduce and also develop combinators which transform functions from one thing to another. Uh, and then we, we can do basic FP, but we can't do more advanced functional programming, which is where it gets really interesting. The, the idea of being able to separate out the, this, I, I guess I want to call it boilerplate. <laughs> That's the, the term people use. Separate out all this boilerplate stuff, nail it down, capture it as a small piece of functionality that's totally reusable. All right, so do yourselves a favor. Have a look at your code and see if there's any places where you couldn't pull out first-class functions. And, and see if there's things that where you already use first-class functions. Uh, they're very powerful, and you should be using them more. Everybody should. Um, right, and do me a favor. If you liked this, um, I try to go deep on these topics where I could just give the definition, but I like to uh, make it practical, bring in some, some deeper thinking on the idea. Uh, if you like this one, then you should subscribe because there's more like it coming down the pipe. Uh, if you have a question, a comment, you want me to talk about something, uh, you want me to go deeper on something, uh, please, or you disagree with me, that's cool too, email me at eric at lispcast.com or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Eric Normand with a D or find me on LinkedIn and we can talk there. Awesome. See you later.